Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm sleepy. Oh, that's right. It's your morning. <laughs> it's my morning. It's your evening. It is. And it's getting cold here in Memphis, Caitlin. It's starting to feel yes. like fall. Same here. I'm not too happy about it, to be real. Yeah, same here. Not not the happiest. But I know it does make people happy, so it's worth noting. That's true. They like their pumpkin spice stuff. Mm-hmm. And... This is like the first time... <laughs> this is the... <laughs> This is the first time I think we've had, we've talked about something current that's actually going to be current. Like we're talking about fall and this episode is actually going to go out. It is. It's going to happen. fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a a little less than two weeks, this is going to go out. Yeah. And it's because it's uh, for a special holiday. Can anyone guess what that holiday is? And it... By anybody, I'm really talking to you, Caitlin, because nobody else. Oh, can I was gonna pause, let people guess. <laughs> Halloween? Halloween, the spooky holiday. Yes. All right. So we're just talking about like what downtown history or how the Memphis Bridge got made. Is that what we're doing in honor of Halloween? Uh, yeah, and and who is responsible for uh, creating the pumpkin? Oh, yeah, they're no. from Memphis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who created wow. the pumpkin pie? So anyway, where are we headed on this? Oh, we're going to treat the audience to some ghost stories. Ooh. <laughs> and Caitlin. Clearly my heart is in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, you have a ghost story for us, don't you? I do. I have the story of beasts and maniacs in the night. Wow. Yeah. The first one is a maniac in the night. My story takes place just north of Memphis. Okay. In uh, Millington. Yes. I wanted like a, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Um, oh. Just north of Memphis. Oh, oh wait. Okay. In Memphis, in, in Millington, there are a couple of smokestacks. Okay. And it is said to be haunted by the spirit of a maniac <gasps> called the pig man. Weird. Legend has it that those smokestacks are on top of an underground storage area for weapons from World War II. And one day, a horrible accident left a man terribly, awfully disfigured. Wait, but this is a true... You're talking about a true story, right? I have no idea. Okay. This is just... I didn't research the ghost story to see if... But this is a true ghost story. This is a true ghost story. Okay. Basically, his nose was burned off. Leaving him looking like a pig man. Whoa. <laughs> and so now, yes. So now he haunts the area of the smokestacks looking for new victims. And when he gets them, he lets out a pig scream. <laughs> like that? Yes, exactly. You've seen him. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to tell me he finds victims to find the nose that he wants to replace with his but. I guess that sure. didn't happen. No, Instead maybe. Just squeals. Uh, that's awesome. I'll have to go find those smokestacks. Yeah. Okay, I have a story to tell you. Oh, please. I'm to not telling any more stories. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually have a personal ghost story that I've never told anybody. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I never, I had never even told Michael this because he would work overnights. And I was always afraid if he'd heard about it. 
he would be upset. I'm sorry, but is this a ghost story or is someone came into your house for real story? No, I would go out for a night walks <laughs> story and I and saw And you were a ghost. like and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna pretend this was a ghost. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Okay. So when I was living on Mar- I used to live on Mud Island. That was the first apartment complex we lived in or loved okay. lived at. And Michael used to work overnight, so I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah. And we also had a dog named Justice, and I would uh, walk him after Michael would go to work late at night. It was probably like 10-ish or so. And it kind of became consistent where one of the neighbors, I kind of got to know her name was Caroline. And it seemed odd because she didn't seem, she maybe was like 11 or 12, but she would be out there. I know, it seemed it seemed really strange. Um, so you became friends with a child. Well, she wanted, she liked justice and I didn't want her yeah. to be alone. So we would walk and on the river, it's pretty lit really well and there's enough people. So yeah. it's no big deal. But there was always one person like down by the river I noticed that would just stare at the river and she was always down there and it looked like she was probably crying, but I could never tell. But so there was one night when I was walking justice and Caroline came out again she wants to walk, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And she came, she seems kind of like strange, a little sad. I was like, okay, well, you know what? Let me go, let me go put Justice up because he was acting weird. I took him back to the apartment, and we went, we went out to the river. It was just me and her this time, and we're walking, and we just start singing some CCR. You know, what is it? Midnight special? What the midnight special? Okay, shine a light on me. Anyway, and for some reason, when we get to a certain part of the uh, of the sidewalk near the river, she looks at me and she says. Do you want to see something scary? <laughs> yeah. My answer and, to that question is always no thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, um, okay. And she said, really? Do you really want to see something scary? I thought, yeah, 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 sure. I don't mind. And she said, okay, go down and talk to that woman by the river. I said, seriously? And she said, yeah, yeah, go, go down there. She's like, I won't tell you why, but just go down there. And I thought, okay, okay, fine. She's kind of daring me. And so I did it. And I get up closer to this woman. He's by the by the river. And I say, is everything okay? And she turns around and it's La Llorona. What is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. It's just a ghost story. It didn't really happen. I just did it to scare you. Oh, I was really into this. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd give you a ghost story, Caitlin. What a good job. Uh, yeah, no problem. La Llorona is uh, this woman who killed her children at, in the river. and uh, It was A, that's what she, A Lado. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, and so she's by the river. She cries because she killed her, she drowned her children. Is this a common Well, thing? not yeah, I mean, I turned for... it into my story. But yeah. She, I wow. Mean, but yeah, so there's La Llorona's at the Mud Island River. But she's not really, but I just made her into that. Oh my goodness, you did so good. Oh, I was thanks. like, man, this is a real ghost story. You really fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it'd be Whoa. fun to share. No, I like it. I- <laughs> okay. You really tricked me. I'm never going to believe anything you say. Oh yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. But on to the real stories. Because the truth is, is as you'll hear on both of the recordings or interviews I, I did, I, I confess that I would like to have the experience of seeing an actual ghost. So that's also why I told that story. I think it would be cool. Uh-huh. Well, Because then it's like, then you can know for sure, do you believe or not? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Because it's like if you see one, then it's like, all right, I'm a believer. But Well, I am a believer, but I just haven't oh, experienced it. I'm not really a believer. Oh, we're on the bo- different sides of the bridge. But I, I like... I, I like the stories, and I, I do think there are things that happen that we can't explain. So I'm not one to be like, oh, I bet this is what happened. Um, but I don't really think I believe in ghosts. Yeah. Well, after I I almost guarantee you, after you listen to these stories, you probably will. Okay. And you have some yourself, so do you want to introduce who you recorded, or should we move on to... Let's, let's go back. Let's ping pong. Okay. You tell you share one that you recorded with me, and then I'll share one that I recorded with you. So, okay. The first set of stories uh, that I'm going to have you listen to, Caitlin, um, as well as our listeners, is from Ashley Carroll. Her and her family, she's got a husband and four kids, and they live in the Snowden neighborhood which is known to have its set of hauntings. Um, I don't know if I want to call it hauntings because I don't know if hauntings implies that it's poltergeist or scary. But um, although I think there may have been some around the street, I know that um, the neighborhood has hosted ghost tours before. I was a kind of a tour guide in a sense for uh, the Carol's home one year for the, the ghost tours. And I think that's may have, that may have been how I even knew about their house being haunted or having a ghost. And I'd gotten a couple of, they had shared a, a couple of stories with me at the time, but it wasn't until uh, me and Ashley sat down that I learned about how much this ghost was in their life, like a part of their lives. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So without further ado, here's Ashley. Let me get closer to you because I like you. Okay. <laughs> we'll cozy up. Yeah. We, I mean, that's what you do when you tell ghost stories. <laughs> yeah. We if I jump fire. on your lap, don't get weirded out. <laughs> it is broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make a difference. Ghosts come anytime. It's true. Um, I'm. Oh, please state your name. Ashley Carroll. And you don't have to give your address, but you can give the neighborhood that you live in. Yeah, we're in Ansdale Snowden, which is the stepchild of Central Gardens on the other side of Lamar. Okay. Yeah. Do you know much? I, I know that this neighborhood has hosted ghost tours, or yep. at least one in the yep. past. Um, is that, it? I assume it's because this place is known to be haunted? Yeah, I kind of wonder if a lot of little neighborhoods have stories like that. It's just that I know my neighbor, so we talk about it. But I feel like we're a stone's throw from Elmwood. And so a lot of that sort of carries over. We've got a lot of neighbors that are super involved in the cemetery and are just sort of into that kind of thing. And so Mm -hmm. the stories spread, but we definitely have a neighborhood collection of small incidences and ours being maybe one of the more uh, ghosted houses of the neighborhood. But Uh uh, it might also just be because I'm home and I pay attention and I don't know. Who knows? So I know that you guys have a ghost, and I feel like I remember you call, giving him a name. Did you call him Henry? So we did. We called him Henry for a long time, just because I needed to say who it was that was doing something. Like, oh, that the toilet just flushed on its own. There goes Henry again. <laughs> that would be an example. But after, um, we had kind of a crazy story of getting old pictures of the house. I'll tell that, maybe, but... After that, and after a man that came through the home tour told me that he saw Argos and that she was a woman, oh, we then called her Henrietta. 
because we <laughs> realized it was a female energy in the house and not a male one. Um, so she's now Henrietta. Henrietta. Yep. All right. Where would you like to start? And maybe to... she was offended that we kept calling her Henry. Probably. I would, Probably, be. I would be too. Like, yeah. come on. Like you just assume it's a man. I had a bowl cut in third grade, and it still made me mad when people thought I was a boy. It <laughs> yeah. would make me mad. Yeah. Yeah. So did Henrietta, people, did people call you Ash? <laughs> Asher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um. Yeah. So where would you like to start to get us introduced into how you came about? I mean, obviously, you probably didn't buy the house knowing that there was Yeah, it's not listed, like, on the reality sheet, for sure. <laughs> like, amenities. Um, yeah. Haunted. Yeah. Which, you know, some people think is a selling point, I guess. I am. I'm a little envious. Yeah. Well, here, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay, so we... John found this house. It's huge and ridiculous and, like, 5,000 square feet when you include, like, the basement and the attic. And it's overwhelming when we first walked through it, simply because of size, Anna had been left alone for several years. It was a foreclosure. And so the first couple of times he walked me through the house, I was already spooked just because I didn't know where I was and yeah. everything echoed and it was old. And Do you have pictures of it, by the way? Yeah. That we could share? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, but that definitely didn't make me think there was a ghost or anything like that. It but, just felt abandoned. Yeah, it just was had a spooky feel to it especially without furniture in it or yeah you know the walls were weird it just was weird yeah um so after we moved in it might have been the very first night we were in the house it was early early if not first night first week and uh I had fallen asleep John was still up like reading his phone so he had his phone kind of like close to his face but everything else was pitch black dark so he says that he heard a scraping sound in the hallway and he thought, oh, maybe one of the kids like pushed their door open and there was a laundry basket there. And it, that's what it kind of sounded like was like plastic scraping on wood. So he put his phone down and looked down the hallway, but because he was staring at light and everything else was black, he couldn't really see anything down the hallway. Mm -hmm. So he waited to hear like footsteps of kids and nothing happened. And he just thought it was, they went back to bed or whatever. Y'all's so, door is closed or open? It was open. So, oh, so he just he should have been work. able to see down the hallway from where he was in bed. Yeah. But it was kind of blinded by his phone light. So he kind of just tried to go back to sleep or kept reading, you know, reading his phone, just ignored it. And that happened again. And then it happened again and again. Mm -hmm. And the third time, it was like <laughs> this, like, really loud. Like, it sounded like it was going all the way up the hallway and all the way back no. down. And he flipped and, like, grabbed me <laughs> and woke me up. And it was at that point that I realized, I mean, we'd been married at that point for, I don't know, eight or nine years probably. I don't know. And I had never seen him scared before. Wow. I realized right then, I was like, oh, this is what scared John looks like. And I don't know what to do with it because that's usually me. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Well, but you're glad he was the one hearing it, not you. Yes, absolutely. It, you know, it's one of those things, too, where, like, if you hear the noise, you want someone else to, like, validate it or go check it out. And I had been asleep, and I didn't hear it. So we kind of, like, tried to work through all the explanations of what it could have been. Um, but he was truly terrified. Wow. Truly terrified. So we processed that for, like, a couple of days um, and thought, maybe there's something else going on in this house. 
But then small things started happening pretty frequently. Like the dryer would come on by itself or a toilet would flush, which I grew up in a house that had like electrical issues sometimes. And so like electrical things didn't really freak me out. I just kind of thought, oh, there's probably like a surge in the line or Maybe. something. But like a toilet flushing, it's not electric. It's, yeah, you have that to try. Odd. You have to try to make that flush. So those kind of things were, you know, startling. Quint, or uh, just every. In now the beginning, and then? it was fairly frequent. In the beginning, it would be. And is this because you guys were doing construction to the house and living here? No, we actually remodeled before we moved in, so there wasn't anything okay, really going so on. Wasn't... Um, that sh- that gave like a normal explanation for those things. So I think the things that scared me the most were the noises. So. You know, the noise that John heard obviously terrified him, but most of the sounds that I heard in the house were footsteps. Mm -mm. So lots of footsteps, like in the back, we have two sets of stairs and the back stairs, the back is where we're sort of hearing most of the energy from. That's where the scraping sound came from. The dryer's back there. The toilet that flushed was back there. The stairs that I hear footsteps on are back there. And so... We kind of have wondered if it's all kind of concentrated on that side of the house. But the, the, scariest, the scariest thing that ever happened to me, before we kind of realized that the ghost meant no harm, <laughs> when we were in the throes of what is going on in this house, yeah. was I came home from grocery shopping, walked into the kitchen, and I was totally by myself. Kids were at school. Nobody was at home. And I set grocery bags down. So I was kind of bent over, like putting grocery bags down on the ground, and I mean, just as loud as it could have been if it really happened, a child ran through the kitchen. No. No. Like, shook the floor, like, footsteps very clearly. Like, felt felt the breeze. Like, I literally thought, oh my gosh, one of my kids is home and I didn't know it. Where? And I looked around. I mean, obviously, nobody was here. But it was very distinguishable. Like, it was not... And that was the scariest I've ever been. Because I've... I literally good. just like froze and was like, there's no denying that that's what that was. I, you can't make that up in your head. I wasn't thinking that way. I wasn't. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it unless just, you have hallucinations that you're aware of. Right. <laughs> Don't think I'm schizophrenic. It's the jury's out probably. But that was clear as day. And I panicked. I mean, I just froze. I froze forever. And I called John and I asked him again if anyone was home. Just wondering, maybe I heard Because something. you're probably in a state of mind where you're wondering, is someone in the house? Yes, like maybe he came home from work and I didn't know it and I heard something else. But no, of course, he doesn't know what's going on. Nobody's there. That was the scariest I've ever been. So fast forward maybe a month or two later and my family, like my mom and my brother, came to stay with us. My brother, who was super into like paranormal shows and, you know, (laughs) gadgets, brought his computer that he had set to record overnight. Oh, he's for real into this thing. He's serious. He was not. And I was kind of rolling my eyes like, that's cute, you know. So we, he stayed in that back area. So he slept in that room and left his computer like recording all night. Is that a guest bedroom? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Just so if you want to be a guest. Audience, and I'm thinking about listing that area on Airbnb, and I kind of yeah. wonder if I should sell it as a haunted area. I'd say so. There's not a lot of action back there Maybe we can do a survey anymore. on the show. I can create some action back there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of dirty. 
<laughs> Not like that. But if people are looking for the experience. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, he stayed back there, left his computer on all night long. It's one of those programs that records over a long period of time, and then you can either like accelerate or slow down the sound that comes through. And so the next day, he's playing with it, you know, kind of compressing the file. And I mean, almost, I should send you this file because we have the audio file. Can't. Can we use it? I have to see if he still has it, but he did at one point. Like, he had it saved. But it said, who is it? No, it didn't. Yes, it did. Like, it was a whispered, like, who is it? Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, my mom was with us, and she kind of felt the same way that I did about the whole, like, you know, gadget recording. up there and leave it to record or was he up there the whole time while it was recording yeah he like slept in that room and just left it recording so he was in there the whole night obviously sleeping while this was happening and then when he listened to it the next day yeah so we were sitting on the couch he was playing with it he played that and we all like my mom's jaw hit her lap I mean it was very unsettling yeah so after that, yeah. we kind of talk through it. Like, I wonder if they really just don't know who we are. Like, is the who is it question about him specifically? Or is it like our family? We're new to the house. And I think I kind of thought, well, it can't hurt to like let them know who we are. I don't know if this is real or not, but I'm just, like gonna say, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say. So I literally, after that happened, walked back into that bedroom and said, we're the Carroll family. <laughs> we have four kids. Here are their ages. We mean no harm. We love this house. Yeah. We're happy you're here. Just please don't scare us. And I will say, after that, our incidences have dropped off dramatically. We still have sounds and noises, and there's been a few things that have been odd in the house, but nothing has scared us since then. And that might just be our frame of mind. Like, we know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's we've, the we've, ghost, we've right? told them who we are. It's yeah, sweet Henrietta. She's just doing some laundry upstairs. Apparently, <laughs> she likes to do laundry. I don't know. Yeah, she gets bored. Yeah, and she still has energy to run. I guess mm -hmm. she's running past me in the kitchen. That was really bizarre. Yeah, that was bizarre. So I think too, you know that you can kind of write off a lot of that stuff in your head. Sometimes you can kind of say, okay, maybe, maybe that was this, maybe that was this. Like psychologically? Yeah, like just kind of like, yes, I think a lot of it you, you want to come up with other reasons. And I'm sure there will be people that listen to this and want to say, oh, well. But likewise, it could go the other way, I think. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just oblivious I know. to my surroundings. Yeah. When there could be paranormal stuff happening and I'm just not aware of it. Not Does that even, make sense? That's even worse, Rebecca. Yeah, it's only worse because <laughs> like, like I think it's not <laughs> happening, and I'm just making it up, not the other way around. Yeah, well, like I lived in a house. Obviously, I've lived in a house, but um, like my sister and somebody else has both seen a presence in that house, and like that's something I want to see. Yeah, and I haven't yeah. gotten that. Not that I'm like you're like maybe it. I don't have the sixth sense. Yeah, like maybe I just don't have it. Yeah, you know, so it works the other way. Yeah, like I just yep. don't have that. Um, well, skill or whatever. so I think, you know, we've had other, obviously like my brother and that experience and, you know, John and I have both heard things. The kids have said things. We don't talk openly to them about it because I don't want to 
totally freak them out. Bedtime's yeah. hard enough. I don't yeah, think yeah, there's yeah. a ghost in their room. But um, <laughs> no. but they will say things like very casually, like, oh, yeah, the toilet just flushed. Like they, I think that they know like, oh, yeah, that's just a thing that happens in our house, but haven't necessarily let us know that they think or know there is yeah. See, that's what Paranormal I'm talking about. Experience. Like, they people might just, that just, yeah. yeah. They just think like, oh, toilet's flush every now yeah, and then. Yeah, it's just, Henrietta has to go sometime. Yeah. She's got to take care of her business. It's fine. Yeah. But the the thing that, um, <laughs> that actually just happened really recently that kind of made me go, oh, this is a real thing. Our housekeeper comes once a week. She's been coming, you know, for years and... Her, she comes with usually her sister, her sister or her sister-in-law. And she um, was just a few weeks ago, was cleaning and we were talking about some stuff. And I kind of just in passing mentioned our ghost. I didn't, it didn't come up like, oh, that's exactly what we're talking about. I just said, I don't remember how it came up, but I said something. And she stopped, like put down her cloth and said, Oh, I didn't want to tell you, but your house is haunted. <laughs> she thought that she was like keeping us from this big secret. And yeah, it was nice of her to keep continue cleaning. Yes, yeah, so I was like, whoa, 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 like you know that and you've had experiences with it. And she was like, My sister-in-law does not like to come here. <laughs> I was like, how many houses do y'all clean? I mean 10, 10 houses, and she does not like to come here. But we talked about like sort of their experiences. One of her one of the girls that comes with her to clean was up in an upstairs bedroom and saw or felt and saw someone behind her, like take a picture. Like it was a flash up against the wall. No. And she turned around and thought literally someone was in the room taking a flash picture. And of course somebody was there and then they heard noises in that back bedroom. So mm. this is interesting before, before we actually owned a dog, I put beware of dog signs on the windows and <laughs> letting our secret out. Because I had heard that that's like a really big deterrent for theft if they see, yeah, they don't want to mess with houses that have dogs. So I just put like those signs, even though we did not own an animal at the time. You do now. We do now. We have a big scary dog and she will tear you to pieces. <laughs> so <laughs> um, they had heard noises back in that back room and they said it sounded just like an animal was like back there running around. And... You know, our cleaning lady came out and the sister was like, oh, did you hear that? And she said, oh, yeah, but look, she has a dog. See that sign? It says, beware of a dog. <laughs> and then later that day, I came home and she said something about, and I remember her saying something about the dog. And I just said, like, we don't have a dog. And she oh, quickly no. brushed past the subject. But she brought that story up a couple of weeks ago with great, great clarity. Yeah. <laughs> like, remembered exactly me saying, we don't have a dog because yeah. they were convinced that there was an animal back there. So their stories, I think I was kind of like, oh, could have this more is... than one ghost. Maybe. Maybe they have animals. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe they have pets. Kids, animals, the whole thing. Yeah. They like, like the to family. do laundry and run and through the kitchen. And, the bathroom. Yeah. So who knows? Wow. Now there was a story about um, a Someone coming to your door with photographs. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's crazy. Yeah. that That's really crazy. Yeah, Actually, because even for people this. that don't believe in ghosts, this might kind of creep. And this is like one of those things yeah. that like happens in the movies. Like in a... It, okay, so I was in nursing school at the time and was 
Um, this was like one of the first summers that we lived here. So I was gone like almost all day. And the nanny was here with the kids. So they were out of school. She was here during the summer days. We, I came home like, you know, five or six o'clock. And she hands me this big manila envelope that has all these old pictures of the house and some of the people that used to live here. So like kind of those creepy, I will give you some of these photographs that you can post if you want to. Yeah. They are crazy, weird and spooky and also really, really cool. I mean, they're black and white and they're, you know, faded out and they have like all these cool cars in some of them from the front of the house, like just old. So really awesome to have. Yeah. Some of them are a little scary because I think Henriette is in one of them. <laughs> but the lady apparently told the nanny, she, she's, the nanny told me, oh, she was kind of elderly. And she just said, these pictures stay with the house <laughs> and left. <laughs> so she's thinking, she was kind of weirded out by it, but thought, oh, I guess. You guys know about yes, it. Yes. I guess this is. Someone because that they that's all knew, she said. These go with the house. These stay with the house. Stay with the house. And then left. So we obviously were like, who in the hill dropped <laughs> off these pictures? We know the previous owners. They live still in the neighborhood. Really? We're you met them? in contact with her. Okay. She did not drop off the pictures. We know before that there were only like, so there was one, the family that built this house was here until like the 80s. Until they like kind of died off. I mean, that was really it. So that's why I kind of think one of them is the one of the daughters that was here in a hoarder and filled up every room in this house with stuff. Did you see the house when it was just filled with stuff? Or no? No, because okay. they that house the family that we know cleaned it out in the eighties. Like oh, they bought it. That's right. It went to them first. Okay. They literally found like they had a whole room of just hats. Like they cleaned wow. it out and found like furniture under like a whole set of furniture underneath. Like it was like book stereotypical hoarded the whole house was and you said this house was what 5,000 square feet yeah yeah one lady did that wow so I think she might have some attachment to the home yeah (laughs) in some capacity I think that's probably (laughs) if it's any of those people it's her her. so anyway all that to say we know the previous owners and none of them were the ones that dropped the pictures off we've asked everyone in the neighborhood we have like a neighborhood Facebook page we've asked them nobody can identify strange elderly woman that dropped off these amazing pictures yeah that was really weird where do you keep them um we've blown some of them up and they're like we framed some of them oh nice. and then the rest are in my office i'll have to show you the henrietta picture yeah she's like wearing this like long this black dress and like of course she's not smiling and i think she has a cigarette in her hand i mean it is like oh hollywood typical creepy movie wow look at that it's pretty cool henrietta henrietta i know some of the neighbors have told us a few stories that were almost more like a poltergeist-ish, like, oh. like doors opening in front of them, um, oh. those kind of things. Which, again, that's what makes me think, I really think that Henrietta means no harm. Right. I think she might miss maybe her hat collection. Maybe you need to get your brother to... Yeah, go record. Go record. And, go, and, and then announce your presence. You announce the presence. That's, that's the secret, guys. Yeah. Just announce your presence. Become... Friendly. Like, we like the house. We're here to stay. Yeah. And I bet Henrietta probably appreciates what you've done with the home. It looks beautiful. <laughs> She's you like, that's a good hoarding. color scheme. Yeah. It's a good color scheme. <laughs> yeah. She improves. Thank you for not turning she this into a duplex. She improves our Ikea furniture. And 
<laughs> Target. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I bet she approves. I think she might. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Carol. And um, are you okay that I stated your last name just Absolutely. Then? Okay. It's fine. Um, for your stories of Snowden, your Snowden home. Um, for Henrietta. Thank you, Henrietta. Thank you. For our <laughs> listeners, please visit our show notes. And you will find pictures of Henrietta, a picture yeah, of Henrietta yeah. along with other photos. And uh, we hope you enjoy. All right. What'd you think? That was awesome. I don't think we need any more ghost stories for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. I have um, two main thoughts. Okay. One, either put the haunted part of the house on Airbnb or just chop it up. <laughs> like, chop, get rid of it. Like, destroy, <laughs> destroy that part of the house? Yeah, it's crazy haunted. <laughs> yeah. Just chop it off. But um be done with it. <laughs> but she's proven to be a pleasant ghost. Yeah, I'm kidding. It is kind of weird. I mean, those are weird stories. Um Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me wonder like are these things ghosts? Or is it like maybe time is not like time as a dimension is not what we think it is? Because it like a couple of her stories made me think, what if like there are other people living in this house in some other dimension of time and they feel like the carols are ghosts and they yeah, like saw me and sleeping in the bed and they're like, who is it? And then they were trying to take a picture of the ghost and that's what the housekeeper, yeah. like she was their ghost. That's interesting. Yeah. Just like the others. You know that movie where like the ghost yeah. thinks she's a real I person? I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I hope I didn't ruin that for anyone. It is so old that if someone hasn't seen it, they should they okay, should okay. have. And that's a movie reference yeah. you actually got. I'm happy about that. I know. That. I loved that movie. I watched it so many times. Yeah. It's, loved it's it. really good. So spooky. Okay. Whew. All right. So. Yeah. Do you, ha- would you, do you have one to introduce? Yeah. Let me cue it up here. Oh, who is it? Who is it? So this ghost story, I actually recorded right after our Ernestine and Hazel's uh, recording. That's right. So we were there together at the restaurant, bar, whatever. And after that, I met up with uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and my sister-in-law's brother for brunch. And he told me, my sister-in-law's brother, Brian, told me a ghost story from E&H. And so at first we were going to make it a bonus episode along with E&H, and then I decided, no, I'll put it in our ghost story Halloween episode instead. All right, let's hear it. Okay, so um, Caitlin here, and I have just been at Ernestine and Hazel's with Rebecca and Clarence learning all about the place, and I came down the street to meet up with some family at Bedrock Eats, and uh, found out that someone here at my table has an E&H story to share. And so um, I thought we should hear it. So uh, I'm going to let you meet Brian. Uh, I'm Brian Cook. I live downtown for about three years. And I've been to E&H many times. And this is a story about the first time I've been there. Uh, walk in, place is crowded, music's playing. Uh, I'm meeting a couple friends there. And I grab a beer and walk upstairs into one of the uh, old bedrooms. And uh, this was before they painted it, so there's still like a lot of creepy burn scars on it. It looked 
<laughs> add a lot of character. It okay. was awesome. Uh, and my friends uh, were already in there, and they were asking me, oh my gosh, did you see this guy just walk down uh, the hallway? And I said, no, I, it's completely empty up here. I didn't see anybody except you guys. And they're like, oh my gosh, this guy just came in uh, into the room and was like, hey, you guys want to see a trick? And to paint the scene, uh, this room has two couches and one table with a lamp on it. And the lamp is the sole source of light. So and it's pretty dark. Yes, okay. it's dark. And the guy walks up to the lamp, twists the light bulb, and it turns red. And everyone's like, oh, cool. Twists it, turns it back to light, and he's like, see y'all later, and walks out. And I'm like walking in the room as apparently this guy is walking out, and I don't see him at all. And so Whoa. it's pretty creepy. Well, naturally, the first thing that one of the other guys is going to do is go up to the lamp and be like, oh, I got to see if I can do this. Yeah. Turns the light bulb, keeps turning, turns off. Switches it back on, turns on, switches it, turns off. Couldn't, couldn't get it to go back to red, never saw the guy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's the story. And you know, it used to be a brothel, so turning red with like a red no. light. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a very cool first visit to ENH. Yeah. And so now I go all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So he saw a ghost in action. Yeah. A magician ghost, <laughs> a magician I guess. Ghost. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, E and H. I mean, everybody says it's haunted. Yeah. Like, go back if you haven't listened to that episode yet. Go back because it's. Uh, I mean, we talk a little bit about like the haunted jukebox and. Yeah. There's some links in our show notes to more ghost stories. Oh, which I guess. Um, well, show notes for that with links are Memphis type is MemphisTypeHistory.com/eh. Show notes for this episode will be MemphisTypeHistory.com slash Halloween17. And on there, we will find um, pictures of Ashley's uh, home with the weird photos that was sent to her house mysteriously. Um, and hopefully that yeah. recording, if her brother still has it. Yeah, that'd be crazy. But I don't know. Should we only let our Patreon supporters hear it? Or we could let our Patreon supporters hear it. Hmm. Yeah, that actually would be kind of fun. Um, All right. Patreon only for that ghostly audio if we get our hands on it. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. What? Just a dollar a month. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Hear the ghost. So you said you had another person, right? Yes. So this ghost story came via SpeakPipe. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I asked for people to submit some ghost stories, and this is one of the ones that we got. And I'll play it for you now. Hey, this is Josh Plogg. I'm a paranormal researcher in town, and this I have to give a shout-out to my friends over at Historical Haunts. Uh, I've gone on a couple of their tours, and my favorite is the one at the Woodrow Fontaine House in Victorian Village. Uh, my first time there, in Molly's room, I got to see a flashlight that would turn itself on and off in response to yes or no questions as a way of kind of answering it. Uh, I did another trip there just a couple of nights ago, and we set up little uh, balls that when you hit them, they light up all over the room. And once again, in that same room, those things were going crazy because something kept hitting them that we couldn't see. And the bed in the bedroom 
had an imprint like a fist that sank down into it, even though the bed was straightened out when we got first got in there. Uh, I've seen a couple other things, but those are the two that really stand out. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, right? Experiencing I, something I, at the same place. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I had so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. What was it? What's his name again? Josh Plock. Thank you, Josh Plock, for leaving that yeah. uh, speak quite message to us. Yeah, that was awesome. I got another story from Devin Graney. Uh, I interviewed him not that long ago for an episode on ghost signs, which will come out at some point That's soon. That's how that name sounded familiar. Okay. Yes. Uh, and he told me a ghost story. All right. So I'm going to play that for you now. All right. Let's listen in. This was in 1871, and it's at the corner of uh, – it's at 683 South 5th Street, which I believe is – Georgia and Fifth. There's a very generic warehouse that was built in the the old the original location was knocked down in '72, and there was this girl. Her name was uh, was Clara Robertson, and it was a girls' school. And she was being a good girl, practicing her piano one day, and a girl shows up to her in a pink moldy dress, and he, she could see through her. Of course, she freaked out. She ran, which most of us would have done likewise. And then one day, the girl showed up again. She says, don't be alarmed, Clara. My name is Lizzie. I will not hurt you. And I said, okay, I'm intrigued. And this girl, this ghost girl, told her about where there's some buried treasure. And, you know, she told some people, and said, wait, wait a minute. There was a girl about 10 years ago named Lizzie who died and she was buried in a pink dress. That sounds like her. So the word got out and people were going around and the story was that the ghost girl told her where to dig to find this uh, this buried treasure. And a bunch of people were going out. So all these people, you know, what else was there to do back in 1871? They all went out to see them dig and the guys couldn't find it. And then uh, Clara uh, says, well, let me give a crack at it. And so she's digging, and she finds this jar and says, well, Lizzie told me not to open this for two months. So what they did, they were going to open it on stage. And I forgot where. And then they were going to, they were selling tickets. Half, wa- half was going to go to their Episcopal church and the pastor said no no we we don't want any of that we don't want to look like we're promoting the occult here but you know go ahead and open your jar and you know was going to go there but then within two months they got a knock on the door you know tough hombres came up there with their six shooters said where's the jar and they took the jar and we'll never know it was in there what i think here's what i think i think it was i think it was a practical joke and it, so it's not so much a joke, a ghost story to me. I think it was a it was a joke, but it was a really good one. I mean, you had the whole town all out there, so it's more like you know, it's more like a 1871 version of punk, if you ask me. But it was a, but it was like such a, it was such a good story though. I mean, it was a good joke. I mean, you got to admire people for, for pulling one off that well. You know, that they had the whole city fascinated going out to see them dig under the tree to find this. And in fact, the fact she found a jar and, you know, 
girls back then they wore long skirts, so she probably she could have the jar under the skirt or something and then dropped it. So you think she was the the I guess perpetrator of the joke? Probably her and her her family. That this was probably all wow. stay. Of course, you know. Well, you know, if people hadn't come and taken the jar, then they sort of did make their own treasure by selling all these tickets and everything. They did make a, they created a buried treasure. I guess they refund. They they went to they went to Ticketmaster and refunded them or something. But I didn't get into that part of it. But I have a feeling wow. those, those those the the robbers probably didn't exist. That was probably just a story. Oh, how they got out of it. That that's makes sense. that's what I'm guessing. You know, this was probably planned to begin with, and of course. Tonight, if the ghost of Claire Robinson comes and starts shaking me and says, "How can you lie?" I will, I will publicly apologize to everybody for <laughs> my theory. Oh, that's but, great! Uh, so it sounds like you're not a, a believer. Well, you're not a. You're not a here's not my sure th- about ghosts. I, I, I've never, I've never seen a ghost before. I'm not saying. I mean, I believe in God. I pray. I go to church. I'm, you know, I, I don't have to have something physical in front of me to believe it um but if you told me that you had seen a ghost once or you had experienced a ghost or something i wouldn't think you were crazy i'm just saying i personally haven't seen one but it's just like everything went went well that i mean it could have been a great practical joke like the cottingham fairies or something like that and you know what is that that's it was like it was about like 1910 or something you know photography was still kind of new and it's well the cameras can't lie this was before photoshop and these little girls in england they found a picture book with fairies in them and they cut them out and then they put them on hat pins and they put them like you know in trees and they had themselves posing with the with the little fairies and stuff and and people were like whoa they found fairies it was like how isn't it made up well it's photography it's not like they drew it or anything it's got to be real yeah and you know it was like (laughs) like 80 years ago i mean 80 years later or maybe 70 years later you know these now elderly women say oh yeah we pulled one out that was a joke come on you know we just kept going we kept it going i guess i don't think of like people in the late 1800s being like practical jokers but i yeah i mean why not yeah, I, that's funny. I mean, you know, who knows? It's it's uh, you, you kind of I'm curious what daily life was like back then. But, uh, yeah. So this story he told me, it was like a ghost story. It's a ghost story. But he his theory is that it's it's it was a practical joke, not a ghost story. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I bet uh, it was all advertise or like, yeah, for some PR. Yeah, his theory convinced me. Because <laughs> it does make sense, even like she was able to hide the jar maybe under her dress or something, and like make it seem like it came out of the hole that they dug. Yeah, and it was just a one person that got the sighting of a ghost, and that was it. Yeah, that's true. Like it was just the one. So just everyone just believed it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's sweet. It's yeah. a sweet story. Yeah. <laughs> so the the story of the ghost that brought a town together. Yeah. Let's do a movie trailer for that. So um, we're going to end this episode with a very famous landmark that houses at least one very famous ghost. And that landmark is the Orpheum. 
Yay. Yeah. I bet there are many people who have listened to this whole episode already and are like, how are they doing a ghost Halloween episode without talking about the Orpheum? So now they can no longer be angry and they can feel satisfied (laughs) instead. Yes. And I think they'll be very satisfied because um, after interviewing Renee Brain, she's the director of marketing for special productions. And she so kindly sat down with me and uh, filled us in on several stories of the ghost, um, one in particular that is really sweet. I just found it all of it to be very endearing. I already love the Orpheum, and I think this just put a little extra warmth in my heart, even though ghosts are technically cold. So yeah, so I think we're going to end it with this, and uh, Renee Brain will sign us off at the very end. So before that, we'll just remind everyone that our show notes are memphistypehistory.com slash Halloween 17 since it's 2017 and this is our Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it makes w- a lot of sense. Very logical. Yes. <laughs> uh, logical, but tragical. That's sorry. That was from Nostradamus. Um, <laughs> and uh, go down, go check out our show notes uh, because I think it's going to be a good treat not a trick yeah you will find uh, pictures from ashley's home in snowden uh the weird mystery mysterious (laughs) uh photographs that that need to stay with their house and uh hopefully that recording um along with photos of the orpheum that you'll hear about in this end of the episode Cool. I think we might, if we get our hands on that ghost talking recording, we might put it in show notes, but we're thinking about putting it on Patreon only Mm. for Patreon supporters. So if you want to hear it. How do you become a Patreon supporter? Oh, you would go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis type history and uh, support the show for as little as a dollar a month. And then you can hear a ghost. Yeah, a true ghost. And you can get more stuff too. Yes. All right, so without further ado, this is Renee Brame from The Orpheum. Okay, and I just learned that you also host do you host this event that happens in October. Well, um, I more a little more behind the scenes. So I helped um, write the scripts for each tour stop. There are three tour stops. So they go to the Grand Lobby, to the Mezzanine, and into the pit, into the orchestra pit, uh, because there's been lots of ghostly activity in the orchestra pit. So um, that, and then a staged reading based on, a lot of it was based on an article that was written for Memphis Magazine in 1970-something, before 1980, I'm sure. But um, yeah, there was a great article written in Memphis Magazine in the late 70s that is, is a lot of fun. Okay, Mm -hmm. we'll have to look into that. Uh, So for our listeners, in case you don't know, we're here at the Orpheum because it's known as being a place that gets ha- that is haunted. Yes, right. And is it one particular ghost? There are a few. A we few. have yes, we have one very famous ghost. So, a little Orpheum history. Um, it is the original building that stood here was the Grand Opera House um, in eighteen. It was around in eighteen ninety. Um, then vaudeville came along. So about nineteen oh seven. Um, it became the Orpheum. The, um, the fire was in 1923. The entire place burned to the ground. What started the fire? Um, something, I think they said in the dressing rooms. There was a vaudeville show going on. Um, there was an act called um, 
This was during a performance? Yeah, during a performance. Down? Wow. Um, it was, there was uh, Blossom Seely was performing and Jewel and her mannequins, which were these puppets, <laughs> these mannequin puppets. So they were all just rushing around trying to get Blossom's costumes and get Jewel's, you know, puppets out before they burned. Wow. There's pictures that I can share with you. You can probably Please. put them up that yeah. of the Orpheum actually on fire. There's smoke coming out of the window, <laughs> but they couldn't save it. Yeah. Completely burned to the ground. Um, and then in 28, that's this building that was rebuilt from 1928. Okay. So I forget what I was talking Do about. Do you know if the Orpheum that we see now looks like the Orpheum from before? From before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it the, They worked really hard to make sure that it was sort of restored to its grand luster. Um, so the lobby looks similar. Um, Malco Theaters owned the Orpheum in the 70s, and so they changed several things on the inside. Um, but when the Memphis Development Foundation got the building in 1977 is um, when Malco sold it. And the Development Foundation bought it because there was talk of it being torn down uh, and made into a parking lot for downtown parking. Um, So Memphis Development Foundation got it in 77 and restored it to that 1928, which was originally built to go back to that 1923 time. So it's, it's sort of continued since the 20s. Keep trying to go back to that time. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what happened after the fire? I'm guessing. So here we are. Yeah. 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 So the most famous ghost is Mary. I've heard of Mary. Mary has a couple of different origin stories. No one can say for sure. Some people think that she was hit by a trolley outside the Orpheum in 1921 and they carried her into the Orpheum and she died here. Um, others think that she died in the fire. That's a little more of a convenient story, you know, that she was already here and she died in the fire and stayed here. Okay. Um, There is one other story. Some some say that she died downtown somewhere in the 20s and wandered in. Yeah, that's a nice place to go into. Yeah, but all of these stories involve Mary being about 12 or 13 years old. Mm -hmm. She has brown braids and a white dress for the people that have seen her. And she, she came here sometime between... You know, 1920 and 1923. Wow. Somewhere around there. And she's been here ever since. And that's distinct. Like the braid, brown braids yes. and the white dress. And that this is something that people so have they've since, seen. since the 20s have seen. Yeah. Okay. People say they have seen. Up to, there was an employee who um, was here. This was maybe 10 years ago. Maybe not even that long ago. Um, her daughter was here while she was working. And you know, had gone into one of the cracks and crevices of the Orpheum because there's, you know, millions of them here and was uh, watching a movie or something on her iPad. And she came back and said, Mommy, I'm having a great time with this little girl. She's so much fun to play with. Whose daughter is that? And there was no other little kid there that day. Weird. Yes. (laughs) But she described her, and it was a kid, and she didn't know about Mary. She said, you know, the little kid. She's got a white dress on. She has brown braids. She's long hair. And they never figured out who it was. So up until very recently, people are still seeing her. Yeah. Um, I've been looking for her. You've been? <laughs> forever, and I've never found her. 
Someone read somewhere that she made a debut during the King and I's performance or something. Is there yeah, a- like during the, I think this was in the 80s, that King and I. Oh, okay. Um, so um, if you're familiar with the movie, um, Yul Brenner played the King and it was very, it was a very iconic role for him. He traveled around the world playing the King. Okay. And he um, was on stage at the Orpheum playing the King in the 80s and he felt her. Um, a lot of oh. people describe feeling like this really intense feeling of cold when they experience her. And I think he felt that, dropped to his knees, scared out of his mind, went off stage, and they had to bring him back. Oh. Um, so he was okay, but he really felt something okay. very serious. Wow. The, one of the performers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The King and I just like recently yeah just recently <laughs> any other experience like the same <laughs> reenactment no no i think mary just had she may have had a big crush on yule brenner he that's knows. gonna be it a lot of people really <laughs> loved him his little bald head they yeah. loved him so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's been around since the 20s and um the most stories that i have heard uh really involve the the Wurlitzer, um, which we have an organ that was delivered here when the building was rebuilt in 1928. So the Orpheum and um, the Wurlitzer are both going to turn 90 next year. Wow. Together. And so it's the Mighty Wurlitzer organ. If you've ever come to our summer movie series, mm-hmm. you've seen it played. Um, and she's still she's still pumping out that music. But people have to go down there and do a lot of maintenance on her, on the Wurlitzer um, it lives in the basement. It's what we call it the dungeon. She lives in the dungeon. Um, but maintenance men that have come out to work on her, you know, their tools will be just out of reach. They'll turn around to look at something. They'll turn back and their tools have moved so that they can reach them. And they're the only ones down there. They're the only ones down there. Um, the same guy was here to fix something and it was later in the evening and he couldn't get it to work, so he took a break. He went and got some coffee. He came back, and it was completely fixed. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, like, strange stuff. Then you're like, is. well, it really just only could be Mary. Yeah. Know, people love that, you know. So in that same intense, like, cold feeling, um, several people have reported, you know, sitting at the organ and feeling that cold. And you look around, like, for an air vent or something, and it's... It's not there. It's not there. So possibly her presence is strongest where this organ is? Yeah, I think so. Where the organ is and on stage. She's messed with actors, like we said, with Yul Brenner. She messed with the cast of Annie. Um, (laughs) I think that may have been in the 80s, too. There was a big dollhouse um, that was in the show, and it got moved from stage all the way up to the mezzanine. And it was a really heavy dollhouse. Like, no one would have done it as a joke because it was too heavy to do. Like, it just showed up in the mezzanine? It showed up in the mezzanine, and nobody knows how it happened. No way. Yeah. So they think Mary did that um, because the girl that played Annie in that production swears she had to hide in a laundry cart in one of the scenes, and she swears there was someone in there with her, and they were talking, but she couldn't understand what they were saying. That's creepy. Yeah. And so there's that, like, little girl, you know, yeah. that show has tons of little girls yeah. in it, so it just feels like maybe Mary felt a kinship with some of them. Yeah. Which, it helps. Yeah. A little less creepy. Creepy that we know that yeah. your ghost is innocent. <laughs> she is. She's very sweet and innocent. And she mainly stays, I think, Wurlitzer on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and just comes out for a show every now and again. Yeah, just comes out for for a bit. 
Um, there's been a couple of groups that have come in and used actual Ouija boards and tried to contact Mary. Um, and one group, I wrote down when, in 1979, I think, this is when Vincent Astor came in. Um, Vincent is a long time, he was an employee of the Orpheum, big supporter, plays the organ. He's, he's very familiar with the Wurlitzer. He brought a group in and um, looking for Mary. And he was playing the, her favorite song is Never Never Land uh, from Peter Pan. He's playing that on the organ. And part of his group saw a little girl dancing in the lobby and they walked toward her and she disappeared. But then something happened in the broom closet. Like it started rattling and they got so scared. They didn't look <laughs> in it. They just ran back into the theater. Uh-huh. And um, that apparently went on for like 45 minutes. They'd go back, look out the door. She'd be there. They'd walk up. She'd disappear. Oh, several sightings of her. Yeah. Oh. Over and over again. It kept happening and she kept disappearing. And all, the whole time, you know, Vincent is playing Neverland on the Wurlitzer inside. Yeah. Um, so that one is one of my favorites. I, I just can picture them all in there. Just yeah. trying to find her and getting really scared about it. <laughs> but she's she's our um, main floor um, spirit. We've got a couple of others. One is David, who I haven't heard as many stories about him being cited, but the story is that David came here to get Mary. To, Another kid? To help her, yeah, to help her cross over to the other oh. side to get her out of the Orpheum that she won't leave. She likes it here. Yeah, and he can't leave until she does, so he's hanging out. Um, <laughs> and then the third one that I've heard more stories about is Eleanor. She's our balcony spirit. Okay. So she mainly sticks to the balcony. She's um, a little more sad. People report hearing her crying a lot in the balcony. They get a cold, that cold feeling yeah. when they go up there. Certain part of the balcony? No, I think she moves around. She moves around. One of uh, my favorite Eleanor stories is when this was a Malco, there was an usher. It's when people ushered you, you know, to your seat at the movies. There was an usher and that looked up and no one was allowed to sit in the balcony at the time. It was only orchestra floor seating for the movies. And he saw a little girl on the balcony. So he went up there to tell her to come down. And there, when he got there, there was no little girl anymore, but there was a woman sitting up there who had, um, she was on a lunch break, and she had just decided to go up there and eat her lunch. And they started talking. They fell in love. They got married. No way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that story. Uh, but So it's like the ghosts brought them together. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's it's got to be Eleanor because Mary doesn't go up there, up there all that often. But, yeah. Yeah. But the most sightings have been Mary. <clears throat> most have been Mary. Yeah. How do you feel like you can distinguish? Well, the sightings, obviously, you can distinguish the sightings. Um, but as far as the presence, how can you distinguish, or is there a way to distinguish? Well, it's usually when it's a presence, you, you know it's Mary if it's the organ, or if you see that white dress or the the braids. Yeah. And a lot of other times, it's more of a feeling that you get, like something isn't right, something isn't there. Um, so in the eighties, a lot of, the, a lot happened in the eighties. It was yeah, a very active like time. Um, was there anything unusual for the Orpheum in the eighties that could have caused that? Well, it, the development foundation bought the building in 77 and they had a lot of work to do. 
to restore it. So probably by the 80s is when they had actually started restoring the building. The Broadway season that we know know today had really kicked off probably more in the 80s, like early 80s. Um, so it's just when they really started kicking off and, and moving forward once Malco had sold it. Yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. There's going to be more people and more activity happening. Yeah. There was more people probably here than ever before, because like I said, in, with the Malco, they only filled the floor for movies uh-huh. and with these Broadway shows, you know, all 3000 seats were being occupied from floor to gallery. So yeah. there was just more people too, to play with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but in, let's see, 1984, this is when this was, um, there was an Egyptian president who had been assassinated. This was his, that was Anwar Sadat. Okay. His, he had just been assassinated. His wife, Jahan, had come to Memphis to um, the opening of the Egyptian gallery at the university, which is still there. Um she, it opened in 84, and she came for the opening and was going to come to a symphony concert here at the Orpheum. Because she was coming here, there was um, security that had to be done. Mm-hmm. So they had to completely clear the building. No one was allowed in. They brought in bomb-sniffing dogs. And there was one Orpheum employee that took the security and the dogs through each level to make sure that it was safe for her to come in. And everything was going fine until they got to the gallery. And um, the dogs went to the door and stopped and just laid down. And they wouldn't go in. No matter what they did, uh-uh. they never went in. <laughs> and the, that, that employee, he still works here. That's Richard. And Richard was there that day. He saw those dogs. They would not do it. And um, they really do think that it was that sort of those dogs felt something up there and that's the kind of spirit like that kind of feeling people get even if they don't see something especially with animals because you know they sense stuff that we don't yeah so intuitive they're like i don't know if there's bombs in there but there's something else in there and we're not going (laughs) we're not gonna do it amazing the orpheum itself is so lovable Mm -hmm. and just hearing you tell me about these different ghosts Gives it a whole other life, you know. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. um, That it's not just one ghost and and that the ghosts kind of, in a sense, are playing. We really do. I think we all sort of feel like we're caretakers for them. You know, like we really do love them. They're as much uh, a part of the staff and the personality of what the Orpheum is as anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so we try to really hold on to their stories document them when we can and make sure that we share them so that they're never forgotten if they decide to not, you know, play around with anyone for a while. Yeah. And just to note again, you said this is, these are stories from the Mm twenties, you know, it's not all the way through. Yeah. That makes, that's good evidence for me to believe that this is, yeah, this is true. It's fun. It's a lot of fun no matter what, you know, Uh um, there's a great picture and that's, that's one I can get for you, too. There's a picture that Richard, who was there with the dogs, there was um, a little boy that called him and said, I'd like to do a school project on Mary. I heard you have a ghost. Can I come try to get her to come out and take a picture of her for school? 
And uh, Richard is an extremely kind and wonderful man. He said, absolutely, come on out, you and your mom. I'll take you upstairs. You can look around for her. So they were in um, one of the loge boxes on the side, uh-huh. those boxes. And he had a little tape recorder and he played, you know, scary music. And like whatever <laughs> in his like kid brain was going to bring Mary out. And yeah. he's taking pictures. And um, it was when uh, we used this thing called film in cameras, you know. <laughs> yeah, so like, that. yeah. So he had to go home and develop the film. And then mm-hmm. he ca- his mother called Richard in a panic. We There's there's Mary in one of these photos. No way. My neighbor is from National Geographic. And he confirms that this is, you know, no way. this is a ghost in this picture. And he still has the picture. I have a copy of it that I like to share at dinner on stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's her on stage. There's sort of a, a spectral figure that you can see um, backstage in the wings where the ropes are that they use to raise and lower, um, you know, drops and, and curtains and things like that. There's this figure sort of running. And we hold on to that picture for dear life. We love it. The boy was so excited. <laughs> Wait, what, what era was that or what time? Um, was this like a few years ago? Or? No, oh, no, no, you there said was, it was film. Time, yeah, it was so. film, and he had 90s? a little tape recorder. It was probably the 90s, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, it was probably the, like the mid-90s. Before Photoshop was so accessible. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was just a picture, and they could not, I don't think they expected to find anything because he yeah. didn't experience it at, in the moment. He yeah. just saw it later in the Oh, picture. I bet he was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> it was very cool. Very, very cool. Okay, well, tell me again um, the October event, so we make sure to promote it for... For, for next year. Um, so we do an October dinner on stage. It's a haunted dinner, okay. and um, you're welcome to come into the lobby. There's sort of a cocktail hour in the lobby, and then there are tours, so you get to hear a bit of the history and um, tales of the ghosts on the grand lobby staircase in the mezzanine, and then you get to go down into the orchestra pit and, um, which is a place, you know, people don't normally get to go, which is pretty cool. So yeah. you get to go into the pit and get that vantage point of the theater from down there. Cause you can see out from the hole in the stage, you can see the theater out from there. Okay. Um, and hear all of the just luscious stories. And then you get to have dinner on the stage. It's like a three, four course meal. It's really great. Um, yeah. Our president, Brett. Batterson will, you know, he talks, takes questions. We want people to really get to know the Orpheum and feel like it's just a much, as much their home as it is ours yeah. or a touring property. I get that shows. feeling. Yeah. So you guys are doing a good job. Thanks. So also, um, would, you, would you be able to get a picture of that Wolitzer? Yeah, organ, well, or? we can go look and see if it's out. Okay. Um, she has a little, I call her she, <laughs> she has a little <laughs> a room all to herself. She stays locked up. So um, when it when she's going to be played, they have to bring her out and put her on this pedestal. Like if you've been to the movies, you've seen that she can move up and down yeah. on the pedestal. So if she's out, we can take a picture. If yeah. not, I can bring her on. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like if you have a photo yeah, of it, if, absolutely. if you don't mind sharing that as well. I will. Okay. I will. She's almost 90. Next year will be her big birthday. That's amazing. So yeah. and you said the birthday is the same as the Orpheum? As this building. This yeah. The Wurlitzer campaign, Save a Wurlitzer. And then um, next year there will be more fanfare for sure. But 
2018's our big nine zero. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad we caught you right before. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It's still standing in this yeah. beautiful place. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, is are there any other spooks that you can think of or want to add? Let me see. Let me go down my list. There's so many at this point. I have to write them all down. Yeah. Oh, I have to tell you my favorite, favorite one. Hold on. Yes. Um, it's very short and very silly, but... That'll take time. That'll be awesome. Your favorite. I believe that this was during the Malco days. Um, there was um, housekeeping staff that was cleaning up after a movie, and she had um, all of her tools, her, like, you know, the toilet brush and the, you know, scrubbers and stuff in a bucket, and was carrying it around the lobby, and she went to clean something, and the bucket was gone. And so she looked all over the place, could not find it. Finally, she goes into the bathroom. All of her cleaning tools have been taken out of the bucket and put into the toilet. No. Yes. <laughs> and she swears <laughs> that just like with everything else, it was just, you know, it was Mary or one of the other ghosts just playing with her. Right. Just playing a prank and having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, though. Oh, the it's toilet. Like, well, they're, they're toilet clean now. They've been put into the water. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love awesome. that one. We're going to end with that one, then. Good. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Memphis Type History of the Podcast. We like your type. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. So in case... You guys don't realize this. Memphis Type History is not just a podcast, and you probably already know that it is a blog, but it's also a book. We wrote a book and published it in 2014, right? We did. And it's called Memphis Type History, Science and Stories from Just Around the Corner, written by me, Caitlin, and illustrated by Rebecca. And, well, I don't know. That's not a good way to put it. Not illustrated by, but like it has your Memphis Type illustrated paintings in it. So each of Rebecca's paintings is the jumping off point for the history in each chapter. And you can buy the book in Memphis. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> so one of the places in Memphis that you can get our book is More Than Words in Germantown. More Than Words. Oh, go ahead. More Than Words, we love you. Oh, I thought you were going to sing the song More Than Words. Oh, More Than Words. Yes. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a good song. It is. And I have a fun history fact to tell you about Germantown, where More Than Words is located. Oh, please tell. During World War One, because there was a lot of anti-German sentiment in the U.S., Germantown changed its name. Really? Yeah. It, for a little while, it was briefly known as Neshoba, which is an Indian word that means wolf. Oh, Okay. And then it went back to uh, Germantown. Yeah. So if you want to go to 
Germantown, past alias Neshoba, head over to West Street and visit More Than Words and pick up our book. More Than Words.